A welcome now to all of you who are just joining us on Catch Up on Sermon Audio. You may be listening on Spotify, you may be watching on Roku on your smart television, on YouTube or on Facebook. Welcome to you. Uh, A special welcome to those who have contacted me the past couple of weeks uh, through our website and making inquiries and uh, I hope um, I hope those people were able to uh, tune in this morning so welcome to you and anyone else wherever you might be uh, it's great to, to have you with us I, I can't see you but it's still uh, it's, it's still the case that God knows God knows and he, he will hopefully bless you this morning he will bless you hopefully as much as he blesses me when I prepare these messages I'm sure I get more blessing than anyone because I'm just re- really blessed through the support of New Road and the grace of God and blessed to be able to spend all week of my head uh, in the Bible and obviously in, 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 in other research as well and it is, um, it is a wonderful thing to, to be able to do it's, it's, it's work and sometimes it gets tough but still it is the greatest blessing anyone can experience and I just hope as much as possible to to share that to share that with the people who listen the problem is I'm not a professional um, articulator which is good because God wants uh, not someone who's clever with words so much he wants someone who will preach in the power of the spirit and I believe I have the spirit of God as all believers do and I pray then today, as I do all the time, that by God's Spirit, that he will use my words, no matter how poor they might be, or poorly constructed, and he will, he will still use them to get that blessing of the Bible across to you. I hope he does that today. And so what we're going to do, folks, we're going to read the scriptures on which our message is based and it's Mark, Mark's Gospel in chapter 14. And there's only um, four verses today. So, obviously it must contain something important, and it does. Mark 14, verses 22 to 25. It says... And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of of God this is the blood of the New Testament or new covenant agreement contract so this is what we'll look at today what this bread and wine was all about it's all about the introduction of this new covenant which was better than what has gone on in the past so you might remember last week 
you'll know in our observation in this gospel we are just a few hours now away from the arrest the trial and the death of Jesus our Saviour the announcement's been made Jesus is to be betrayed by one of his own friends but this Passover meal isn't quite over yet although the meal was although the meal was supposed to follow a traditional format a fixed format well we see today Jesus introducing a new element the Passover celebration itself would fade into obscurity and even now in this meal the Passover as a memorial was being overshadowed just as all these expectations of the Jewish you know Jewish nationalism were, were being overshadowed the Messiah's role was ultimately to die as a once-for-all sacrifice for sinful people and Passover was ultimately about Jesus Christ our focus today is on this the institution of, of this small new ritual now after Jesus ascended to, to heaven believers were, were then to share a small amount of bread and wine together as a prompt for them to remember the death of their saviour on Calvary's hill originally this 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 religious sort of ritual was part of a an actual meal where there would be bread and wine anyway and other things eventually that the meal faded away and it started to be um, it started to be carried out uh, as a separate sort of mini sort of meeting in, in churches well I want to quickly mention just the different terms we use to describe this act of remembrance because we all have different church backgrounds and if you're a believer watching this today there's a very good chance you're an evangelical Christian but there are also non-evangelical sort of Anglicans and, and other people um, Methodists and at New Road Church uh, we, we, we call this, this this time of sharing we call it um, the breaking of bread so even though there's even though there's wine involved as well we call it the breaking of bread which is a biblical term but it's also known as the Lord's table some churches say Holy Communion and the, the early church preferred the term Eucharist which is from the Greek word for Thanksgiving but anyway more particularly we'll be talking today about the new covenant the new contract which this ritual signifies we'll look at the covenant uh, or covenants which were in place in Jesus's day and then we'll look at the better covenant that took its place and finally we'll consider the signs of this new covenant so first we'll look at what went before so let's talk about covenants for a moment so I said they're agreements that God draws up they if you like they explain the terms and conditions 
by which God has a relationship with man. The Lord created a number of these, but we'll look at the two really significant ones uh, that were in place at the time of Jesus's earthly ministry. Well, firstly, there was the covenant God made with Abraham. And we, obviously we've heard a bit about this in our weekly readings from the book of Genesis. And you, you, you might remember some of the details. God said he would give Abraham many descendants and uh, land. And there was even a hint in all this of a coming saviour. And in turn, they were to have faith in God. Now, you shouldn't think that this Abrahamic covenant was replaced by the one God made with Moses. When the Mosaic covenant came along, it ran in parallel with the Abrahamic one. The scriptures are very clear that the first one remained in effect it says in Galatians 3, 17 and 18. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So there's something important about this Abrahamic covenant, isn't there? So the grammar's a bit awkward there, but it's saying the law of Moses didn't replace the existing one with Abraham. And more than this, um, God um, God in making this one with uh, Abraham uh, it made it uh, superior. The Abrahamic covenant was superior to the one he made with Moses. That might surprise you. Now, by the way, although today we're, we're, we're talking about a new and superior covenant to supplant the others, there's still a spiritual connection between us and Abraham. We have this in common, it says here in Galatians 3, 6 and 7. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, Christians, the same are the children of Abraham. Wow. Friends, the people in the Middle East are not the children of God unless they belong to Jesus. You know, we, we've heard stories about Palestinian Christians who've been evicted from their homes by Jews. And that wickedness, that wickedness is excused by large numbers in the Church of God. Well, the church is the real Israel of God. Now, where there was a, a real, there was a real spiritual relationship at the heart of the Abrahamic covenant, and that seal had a sign to represent it. It's found in Genesis seventeen and ten. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised well although although this sign was only applied to male children uh, as as heads of families they'd be the means by which god blessed both the men and the women then we read about the introduction of another covenant it was presented by god to the people 
through a mediator, Moses. And it was created because of man's sin. Also in Galatians 3 and verse 19 now. Wherefore then served the law? It was added because of transgressions, sins. Until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. You see, it also had an expiry date, just like the Abrahamic agreement. It was to exist until the promised seed came. And this seed was none other than Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to how the people back then signed, if you like, signed the covenant. It says in Exodus 24, verses 7 and 8, And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord had said will we do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Honestly, as clearly as everything was explained to them back then, they didn't understand what they were letting themselves into by saying, we'll do everything God says. They had no idea. Well, just as the Abrahamic covenant had that sign of circumcision, so the Mosaic covenant had its sign, and this was Sabbath-keeping. Listen to this in Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. Well, we all know that that didn't end well. The people's sin continually frustrated the carrying out of God's commands. So instead of being a standard that the people met, which would have created a near perfect society. The law instead exposed their sinfulness even more. It just showed them just how far short they fell of God's standards. And so it was that that old covenant was ruined. Listen to this astounding statement in Hebrews 8 and 7. It says, For if that first covenant, the Mosaic law, had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second one. Faulty. Now, just to be clear, the, the legal structure God gave, it wasn't itself faulty. God's law was good. And, and even though it has nothing to do with us today, we should view it as having been good while it was in effect and where it was in effect. The re this relationship between the modern they believe in the laws, law of Moses has caused all kinds of debate it's given rise to all kinds of explanations and, and better men than me have pro proposed quite sophisticated cases to show that the believer has some kind of relationship to the Mosaic law now I won't question their superior intelligence but I will question their conclusions I do have that uh, right if you like sometimes the answer is right in front of us sometimes it's surprising just how clear the scriptures are the, the mosaic law 
has been divided by some into three main areas they say well we have the laws about ceremonies we have the um, you know to ensure a, a fair society we have laws um, we have laws about um, moral issues as well so we have sort of ceremonial judicial moral and I don't know I, I've no wish to to you know uh, support or reject that that sort of division of the law but I mention it because some will tell you that the Ten Commandments represent represents they represent God's um, moral law and because they argue because God's moral standards don't change they tell you were governed in a sense by the Ten Commandments they will say usually oh they don't save us of course we're evangelical Christians um, but that they're still for us so I'm going to make my case like this the Ten Commandments were the embodiment of the whole law of Moses so for example you, you may know there's all kinds of laws about you know um, say theft there's lots of different examples of types of theft and but they're all, they're all covered by this one principle, aren't they? The, the principle that you shouldn't steal. Now, crucially, listen, folks, we need to understand the stone tablets on which the commandments of God were written are described in the Scriptures as being the covenant. Listen to this. In First Kings eight and chapter First Kings chapter eight and verse twenty one, and I have set there a place for the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord, which He made with our fathers, when He brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now, that 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 box, the ark of the covenant, contained the covenant. What did it contain? It contained the two slates, on which were inscribed the Ten Commandments. So it's important to make this point because when we talk about the replacement of the old covenant with a better one, we mean the replacement of the whole Mosaic law, including the Ten Commandments. If we want to make those tables of stone our rule of life today, we cannot be said to be living according to the new covenant Let's move on to the introduction then of the, the, the better covenant, the better arrangement. So in this really important passage we're looking at today, Jesus is signifying the end of the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants, the emergence of a bright new covenant to exceed them all was prophesied hundreds of years previously by Jeremiah and recorded in chapter 31 verses 31 to 32 behold the days come saith the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt which my covenant they break although I was a husband to them saith the Lord so 
there was a replacement. In what way, then? Let's think about in what ways the New Covenant is superior. How is it better? Well, firstly, the mediator of this New Covenant is Jesus Christ himself. It says in Hebrews 9.15, And for this cause, he... Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament that by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. What else? Well, under this new covenant the commandments the new commandments are easy to understand. John 15 verses 10 to 12 we find Jesus saying if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my father's commandments the Mosaic law and abide in his love these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full this is my commandment here's one of his commandments that you love one another as I have loved you so we had these two or three commandments of Jesus and if you view it as two it's like this love God love others and that's it so you don't need thousands of laws and love God love others it's a heart issue he expanded on that second one and said love others but especially love the brethren love one another how else is this new covenant superior well this royal law of Jesus Christ is now written on our hearts it says in Hebrews again chapter 10 and verse 16 this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days saith the Lord I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them We also now have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and not the letter now reigning in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, not of the letter of the law, but of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And another one, another reason why this new covenant is superior, because of the promises of God contained in it. They excel all other promises. Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more also he, Jesus, is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. If you, friend, if you don't yet belong to Jesus Christ, here's one of the promises, the gospel, which might interest you today. There's a promise that all that go to God in repentance, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ with their whole heart, as Saviour and as Lord, will be saved. Do you have that desire? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved right now, today? What's stopping you? You are. Your sin, your rebellion, your pride, your fear, 
Friend, go to him today. He will save you. If you're one of those who've maybe been thinking about these things, if you shared secret tears because you're not right with God, go to him now. He's the one who'll wipe away all tears from your eyes. If you felt discomfort or anxiety within your soul, knowing you have a lifetime of sins which are unforgiven, go to God now. He's the one who rid you of that pain. God has made promises. Should you take him upon them, he will perform them. Let's have a look then, as I said, at now the signs of the new covenant. So we've already said that each of these former covenants had seals and they had signs to indicate that seal. So when we take, say, the example of the Abrahamic covenant, we see how admission into the church of God then was by circumcision. But under this new covenant, admission into the church is through baptism. Colossians 2 verses 10 to 12 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye, the believer, believers, are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So, the circumcision of Christ, friends, is something inward. It is not something done to you physically. Hearts are now circumcised. And so this baptism that we, we hear about, the baptism of, of, of people who've made this profession of faith, that is then an outward declaration of the inward seal which is the presence of the Holy Spirit himself. It tells us in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 21 and 22. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath, hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Sealed us. Well, Today we're really we're focusing, aren't we, on the on the ritual we know as the breaking of bread or holy communion. And I want to address um, in the time we have. I want to address now uh, the the nature of these elements of bread and wine. Now, following the days of the apostles, the church the church formed different interpretations of what Jesus said here, and some believe Jesus's words were meant to be taken literally, meaning the bread and the wine were somehow converted to the literal bod, body um, and blood and, and, and bones and sinews and everything of Jesus. Others understood what he said symbolically. And there was a there was a variety of views between those two as well. Well today the belief in a literal transformation of those elements into the body and blood of Jesus is, is associated mostly with the Church of Rome. 
they'd say they are simply taking what Jesus said at face value. But as their doctrine has developed, it's become more and more bizarre. There's a common sense reason to believe Jesus was speaking figuratively. He was standing there at the time. Now, Rome would say, therefore, he was standing there and he was also there in the bread and the wine. Remember, remember, this was done in the context of a Passover meal, which was full of symbolism. Does it not make more sense to assume that what Jesus did was also symbolic? Another reason to doubt Rome's view is to do with Jewish law. The Mosaic law banned any consumption of blood anyway, which is why all the blood would be drained from slaughtered animals before they were taken to be eaten. If these disciples were appalled at the idea of consuming blood, how much more appalled would they be at the thought of consuming human blood? Not just any human blood either, but the blood of their master. So, we... We say that they, they didn't understand it in that way. It, it occurred to me too that, you know, the breaking of this bread, the t breaking, the physical breaking of this bread like this, I think it will, you know, maybe be broken in half and then broken off into pieces and passed around. Or maybe the two pieces were passed around this way and that way and people broke bits off but the point is when that was broken it was meant Jesus said it was meant to symbolize the breaking of his body it's talking about his crucifixion and so if that bread was his literal body then his body would have been broken before Calvary it just doesn't make sense I'll, may, I'll mention I'll give you one more thing it, Mark's gospel is in Greek okay it's been translated into English but that Greek wasn't the language of Jesus um, the, the, um, there were several languages in employment for different things and you, you might say that um, Greek was the sort of I don't know, the, 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 the language of the commerce and, and trade perhaps and it was a certain type of Greek used in that region but this language Jesus was speaking was Aramaic uh, Aramaic and in that language Jesus doesn't even say this is my body. So, because because Mark's gospel is in Greek, when it was translated, this is my body, that's a, that's a good translation of that. And even the difference with that small word, you know, you can still, it's still obvious that Jesus wasn't speaking literally. But it, it's worth noting that in Aramaic, it's what, what he said was this, my body, this, my blood. Now, friends, we're not to gloat. We're not to gloat because we have greater light than others and scoff at how stupid people are to hold certain religious beliefs. But I'd have thought Rome would have realised long ago just how ridiculous their doctrine of transubstantiation is. The, this business of the Lord's table, it's to be a sign for those who have received the seal of God 
And so we, we, this is what we do in churches. We, we enact this dual sign of the consuming of the body and the blood of Jesus in a spiritual manner. Now the old covenant had a memorial here. This uh, the memorial speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall ye keep, for it's a sign between me and you throughout throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. I think I read that one out earlier actually, but yeah. I just wanted to make the point really here that this Sabbath keeping there's no more for us for, for us you see it's no longer the case it's no longer our motto uh, you know uh, not that it ever was for, for modern day Christians but the old motto was remember the Sabbath day for us it's remember Calvary remember Calvary and so this flat unleavened bread Jesus shared with the disciples represented deliverance from bondage that's what the that's what the whole Passover meal was about and so when the Hebrews remembered their hasty exit from Egypt, some would understand this remembrance was also sustaining the hope of a future saviour. Now in referring to the, the wine as the blood of the covenant, there's no doubt the disciples would have been caused to remember how the old covenant was ratified. And we read that earlier and you might recall back then that the blood was sprinkled on the people and and the important difference is here this is not a, not about the external application of animal blood which has no power to take away sin anyway this new covenant wine is consumed it goes inside us and it represents the shed blood of Jesus which does have power to cancel sin and it's in this way we understand verses like this from John 6 and verse 54. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day, Jesus said. If this, if this bread and wine we share in our churches is literally the body and blood of Jesus and consuming it gives eternal life, our evangelism would be very different. We'd just take gallons of, of, of wine and tons of bread and we take that into town and we just try and persuade as many people as possible to eat and drink it. Because it just said there, if you drink my blood, you will get eternal life. So if it's not a spiritual matter, it's just a matter of eating something or drinking something. Well, what a different uh, what a different religion it would be a strange religion with no faith but we understand it in the way it was meant spiritually we feed on Jesus that's the description of it we feed on Jesus we drink of him by faith it's this true faith by which God saves people and only those who are saved have this true faith. If you read later the 24th chapter of Exodus, you see an Old Testament precedent. Uh, you might find that interesting. There's an Old Testament precedent for eating and drinking at the Lord's table, if you like. Uh, there you'll read Moses, uh, a number of others, 
they went up a mountain, met with God and had a meal. And as special as that would have been, what we do is far superior. When we break bread together, we acknowledge Christ's new covenant. You'll notice in verse uh, 25, um, Jesus makes one of his uh, verily statements. Truly, he says. So we're meant to take notice. Now he announces, eating and drinking with them is to stop. I mean, this eating and drinking, it was a social as well as a religious exercise. So this announcement is a little ominous. His socialising in this world was at an end. He was going to meet his doom. But he doesn't leave them without hope. He will eat and drink with them again soon. Remember that the, the coming of the kingdom had been taking place. It was taking place and it would take place in the future. The coming of the kingdom describes the unveiling of this new era in the history of God's transactions with the human race and the most likely fulfillment of what Jesus said seems to be the time after Jesus' resurrection you might recall he ate and presumably drank with his disciples but the immediate encouragement this brought was the promise of his resurrection if he was going to eat with them again it must be because he was going to rise from the dead as he said and it was in his resurrection that we see the kingdom of God being established in a way it hadn't before. Well, brothers and sisters, Jesus, he ushered in a new covenant for you and I to live by. You are now in the pleasant servitude of Jesus. You have the knowledge of a certain and an everlasting forgiveness you're part of a covenant that now cannot be broken you now have you now have the, the the holy spirit in a very special way and you, you should daily inquire into how you can be more influenced by the holy spirit this is the secret to everything it is the influence of the spirit Galatians 5.18 But if you be led of the Spirit you are not under the law. Well that's good. And the closer to God you are the more you'll understand the law has nothing to do with us. We have nothing to do with it. The Ten Commandments as we've proven represented the Old Covenant and that covenant has been voided. We know there are principles in the Mosaic Law and the Ten Commandments which still represents God's standards. We still don't murder. But that should be irrelevant to you. You were led by the Spirit, not ruled by the law. You, believer, are free. You're free, brethren. You're free to serve Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. God be praised for this new and magnificent and generous and superior covenant.
of Jesus Christ. Now may the Lord of all peace give you peace always by all means the Lord be with you all Amen Thank you if you're listening today for joining with us the Lord will undoubtedly bless you as you've spent some time in your day listening to his word and I do hope he blesses you so much in the days ahead I will see some of you almost face to face on Wednesday at our Zoom Bible study if you are not part of our congregation you are still welcome to join the Bible study you may find it confusing because we're halfway through um, a certain book but if you'd like to join us and perhaps just listen in You'd be more than welcome. So please, yes, use the links in Sermon Audio or Facebook or YouTube and drop us a line. And also drop us a line if you are, if you're not part of the congregation, just drop us a line of, just to say hello. Uh, maybe just to, you know, share if you've been blessed by any particular scripture. Contact me if, you, if I've said something wrong and you can, you can, yeah, as iron sharpens iron, I, I promise I will listen. And the rest of you, uh, we will see you maybe next week if you tune in. So, God bless you again. <laughs>